Good afternoon. I'm John Pelchicchio, Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development, and thank you for joining us for this week's DEMPED uh, Recovery Weekly Check-In. Uh, we're really excited uh, to have a number of guests with us today, uh, but before we do that, just a reminder that Mayor Bowser had uh, presented yesterday, right in this very room, uh, some of the updates to the Phase 2 guidance. Uh, so if you go to coronavirus.dc.gov slash Phase 2, you'll see what will be changing, and those changes go into effect on Monday, uh, March 22nd. So be sure to check out coronavirus.dc.gov slash phase two, uh, where you can find all the latest information on what Mayor Bowser announced uh, just yesterday. So just as we've done all throughout Women's History Month, we wanna uh, introduce you to uh, one of the unsung sheroes of DC, and we're really excited to have with us today, Miriam uh, Ramirez, who is uh, the manager at Pan Am Supermarket in Ward One. So if you've ever been to Pan Am Supermarket at 14th and Perry Place, uh, you know that the team there is hardworking, uh, that they make sure that customers have exactly what they need, uh, and that they stay open even in trying times like we've seen throughout the pandemic. And they have a leader in Miriam. So we're excited to have Miriam with us today, uh, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about how she's navigated the pandemic uh, for herself, for her family, and for her team at Pan Am Supermarket. Uh, so with that, uh, mucho gusto, Miriam. And please tell us a little bit about yourself. Gracias. Uh, sí, buenas tardes. Um, Afternoon. Mi nombre es Miriam Ramirez, como ya lo dijo. I am Miriam um, Ramirez, like you said. Y trabajo para Pan Am Supermarket. Um, pues nosotros, debido a la pandemia. I work for Pan Am Supermarket. Uh, hemos tenido que hacer uh, muchas uh, cosas para prevención y para que podamos uh, tener a los clientes seguros y los trabajadores seguros. Okay, we, uh, throughout the pandem pandemic, we have had to do a lot of things to keep uh, our customers and employees uh, healthy and, and safe. Um, pues desgraciadamente la pandemia ha traído recorte de horas. Unfortunately, the pandemic has uh, had to uh, the effect to uh, you know in, all, in, in the store to cut hours of service. Uh, pues uh, porque las ventas bajan. Because the sales have come down. Uh, debido a que el, tenemos que dejar que entren pocas personas. We have to limit the number of people that comes into the store. Uh, no permitimos a niños dentro de la tienda. We, pues, Perdón. A esta, a esta etapa pues ya están entrando, pero en la etapa donde fue más fuerte no entraban niños. Okay, so although now uh, children are allowed into the store at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, they were not. Y pues el no entrar niños a la tienda pues trae un bajo de venta, pues ellos, uh, ellos consumen mucho producto. And then when children do not come to the store, that means that uh, we're not selling a uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of the products that they consume. Recordemos que los padres vamos a comprar no más lo más necesario. Si no cargamos a un niño, no vamos a ir a comprarle un dulce o una galleta. As a parent, we bring, whenever we uh, uh, come into the store, we buy the necessary uh, goods. And we don't, uh, when we don't bring in the children, we don't have, you know, we don't buy them the candy or, or the cookies that they uh, want. 
Uh, pues ha sido la verdad muy difícil uh, porque nosotros siempre hemos estado acostumbrados a ver las familias completas dentro de la tienda. So it's been very difficult. We've always been used to seeing uh, the whole family inside the store. Uh, hemos tenido problemas a veces con clientes que piden de que no de que dejen entrar a la pareja y desgraciadamente solo podíamos entrar dejar entrar a una persona por familia. Okay, and then uh, with uh, with uh, couples, we've had uh, some uh, some issues with uh, certain people because they are upset that they you know we don't let uh, the spouse or the or the significant other into the store, so they get upset about it. También teníamos que dejar que ciertos empleados se quedaran un día en su casa porque no podíamos tener todo el grupo de empleados dentro de la tienda. And also we have had to, uh, you know, cut on the uh, employees' uh, uh, work hours. You know, we couldn't have uh, all the employees, so we have to uh, lead uh, and rotate some of the employees into the store. Uh, pues a pesar de que hubieron empleados que se fueron al desempleo y y no regresaron, um, no podíamos hacer contrataciones nuevas. Porque... And some of the, some of the employees uh, went into uh, the uh, unemployment insurance uh, or layoff, and then they, um, uh, so we couldn't, we couldn't hire new employees. Uh, porque no podíamos estar entrenando a otra persona. We, no podíamos estar... we couldn't afford to, to, you know, the training for the new, for our new employees. Uh, incluso yo tengo una... Una como anécdota que me pasó cuando estuve, cuando fue lo más fuerte de la pandemia. I have an anecdote to tell when, when you know, that happened to me, well, when, uh, you know, at the, at the peak of the pandemic. Uh, tengo una niña de 12 años y, pues, la muchacha que me la cuida, uh, como yo estoy en una zona de alto riesgo. Okay, so I have a, a, a 12-year-old uh, girl and uh, the babysitter, uh, since I live in a, Or, and work in a, in a high-risk uh, area. Uh, ella no permitía que yo me llevara a mi hija a mi casa. She, she would not allow to, uh, for me to bring my daughter uh, uh, home? Yeah. Uh, estuve tres meses que a mi hija la veía a metros de distancia. Si yo le llevaba algo para comer, yo se la tenía que dejar a una distancia. Okay, so during three months, I had to, uh, you know, be at a distance with, uh, from her. If, uh, I had, if I brought something to her, you know, uh, then I would have to be at a distance. Era muy difícil para mí verla que ella bajaba con guantes, con mascarilla, y que a tomar las cosas y que yo no podía ni, ni tocarle su mano ni abrazarla. So it was very difficult for me that she was wearing gloves and masks, and I couldn't even hold her, uh, you know, kiss her. Y hasta después de los tres meses, gracias a Dios, yo me la pude llevar a mi casa. And then after three months, uh, I was able to bring her home. Y uh, entonces, y con los empleados, pues, uh, nosotros nos llegamos a querer como una familia. Um, entonces, tuvimos tres casos de COVID dentro del supermercado. With uh, uh, the employees, we are like a family. Uh, and then uh, we had three cases, three COVID cases among us. Y desgraciadamente los tres cayeron en la misma época. And then, unfortunately, all three uh, got sick at the same time. Entonces, lo que hacíamos que les mandábamos provisiones a sus casas con sus familiares. Um, en la tienda, nosotros para los empleados preparábamos ollas con té de manzanilla, de eucalipto, de jengibre. Y para que todos en la mañana que llegábamos, tomábamos un vaso de té. 
Uh, so and then we sent them we we sent them groceries home with family members, okay. And we, at the store we also prepare some you know herbal teas with uh, um, you know um, uh, ginger teas and things like that to help us. Uh, cuando ya pudimos uh, dejar que entraran más personas y que ya los empleados pudieran regresar, oh, wow, fue un gran un gran alivio para todo el mundo. And then with, when uh, we were able to finally let um, you know more people into the store, that was a, a big sigh of that was a big sigh of relief finally. Y pues gracias a Dios hasta ahora pues nos hemos conservado bien. Ya el trabajo aumentó una hora más. Now we've um, you know we are doing better. The work it's it's uh, it's it's more it's more now. Ah, uh, pues ya este, estamos uh, entrando familias completas. Family, complete, you know, complete families are, are uh, allowed to come into the store. Siempre estamos pendientes de que la gente no se esté aglomerando mucho. But we are always, uh, you know, trying to uh, remind people to, uh, you know, social distance. Ah, uh, si vemos que por el área de la verdura a veces las personas se aglomeran mucho, estamos con el teléfono diciéndoles que por favor mantengan su distancia, por favor no me estén platicando en las líneas, traten de hacer las cosas rápido. And then we keep reminding, again, we keep reminding people if they are concentrated in the produce department, we keep telling them to please uh, hurry up or uh, the cash, cash register, we do the same. Y lo más importante, pues que pudimos servirle a la comunidad durante todo este tiempo difícil. But the most important thing is that we were able to stay open and serve the community with, during the, you know, uh, during the crisis. Y pues esperamos seguir así, siempre y cuando con las reglas de, de sanidad y todo eso. We, we were trying to keep up, uh, you know, of course following all the uh, rules and regulations uh, from the city. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, it was really uh, uh, moving to hear you talk about uh, your daughter, your family, uh, and what it means too to even just to have families come to the store together and how that's a different experience for you as well as for the families themselves. So we want to thank you uh, in a small way. We can't thank you enough for all the work that you do uh, day in and day out, uh, but we have some flowers for you. Uh, from Johnny's on U Street uh, and Georgia and U Street, so a, a DC shop. Thank uh, you. We also have some gifts for you, a gift bag oh, wow. uh, uh, from our Made in DC store, including some products from Bailiwick. Uh, so we wanted to thank you. Uh, we can't thank you enough. Thank um, you. And we all have titles here, but we wanted to thank you. Uh, we'll call you La Jefa for this, because obviously we know who runs the market. It's Miriam. <laughs> Muchas gracias. So I want to bring in a couple of our guests to talk about uh, some of the issues that Miriam raised today. I mean, in her story, we heard about obviously what it was like to not be a public health expert, but have to implement uh, public health protocols, how to talk to employees about uh, accessing unemployment, uh, how to actually uh, talk to employees about the hard choice uh, to cut back on hours. And so uh, we know that businesses and uh, residents have been working through these issues throughout the pandemic. Uh, and so we've tried to work through with uh, all of our partners uh, about how we can actually provide relief and support uh, to uh, our residents 
uh, and our businesses in order to help uh, their employees. And we don't do this work alone. Uh, we do it with our partners on the council. Uh, and so today we're gathered uh, in the old council chamber, uh, but we have three of the newest council members. Uh, uh, that includes uh, the at-large uh, council member, uh, Christina Henderson, uh, who's going to kick us off uh, to talk about what the council is focused on in order to help uh, residents like Miriam and businesses like Pan Am Supermarket on 14th Street. So with that, I'll turn it to council member, uh, at-large council member, Christina Henderson. Um, thank you, John, um, and thank you, Miriam, for sharing your story. Um, <clears throat> good afternoon, everyone. Uh, this is exciting um, for me to be joining um, with my fellow uh, new council members, the freshman women. Um, it's so interesting for me as a full circle moment. Um, I first got interested in politics when I was in college. I did a paper on uh, the Greenville City Council. I went to college in Greenville, South Carolina, where they had a, a female majority. Um, and I was just intrigued in terms of the work that they were able to do together to revitalize downtown, to um, help rebuild um, and prepare the city for um, what was then, what we didn't know was the recession that was coming um, or that we were in the middle of and coming. Um, and so it's really exciting to have that opportunity to do this work um, with uh, both Brooke and Janice at, uh, in terms of recovery. Um, you know, it's also exciting that we're here for uh, Women's History Month. Um, I believe that, you know, we're hearing, you know, from unsung heroes, but women are needed in every role, uh, for managers in stores, running businesses, um, to being legislators and in the boardroom. I think we bring a unique perspective um, to the work um, that also has a benefit in both the immediate and long term. Um, you know, for me, some of the things that I have been focusing on um, in these first couple of months on the council have really been around working families and what that means in terms of recovery. Um, because I believe that if you focus on working families, in particular women in the district, where we have a lot of women who are head of households, that, um, you know, what's the saying? Uh, you, you can list all boats, um, if you will. And um, so one of, um, it may not seem like an economic issue, some of the things that I have been pushing for on the council, but they very much are. Um, maternal health being one, um, that was one of the first bills that I introduced. And the focus there was really around how do we improve the infrastructure um, around prenatal and postnatal care to truly help our families in the district survive um, and increase our life expectancy rates, which we have disparities around, especially when it comes to black and brown women in the district. You know, most people don't realize that um, half of the black women in D.C. and one in third Hispanic women in D.C. don't actually even um, go to receive prenatal care until their second or third trimester. Um, and so we have to continue in terms of the education around this. I believe like uh, the coronavirus didn't um, start the disparities that we've had in the district. They just exacerbated some of the disparities that we've had. Um, another issue to that, you know, I think in this conversation around recovery has been around childcare, um, which Miriam talked about in terms of families coming together, but also, um, you know, the argument that I always make to the business community is that childcare is not just a care issue, it's a workforce issue that's critical to our economy as well. So this is an issue that business owners should care about. How do we stabilize the marketplace? Because if you want your workers to come back to work, they need someplace safe for their children um, to be able to go. And, but it also is critical to how we help uplift women in this recovery. Um, nearly 3 million women have dropped out of the labor force in the last year. 
let me say that again, nearly 3 million women. Um, and, you know, that is just an staggering number um, who have to make decisions for their families who may have lost their jobs and the hospitality and those kinds of sectors. And so as we think about rebuilding, um, as we think about recovery, I'm thinking about these women and how do we bring their jobs back so that they can provide for their families. Um, and so, you know, I'll, I'll just close with saying that um, it's a really, uh, I'm call it a trying time. It's a challenging time that we have in the district, but I also feel like it's an opportunity for us to be collaborative, to be innovative in our work, um, and also to think outside of the box because this is not just around you know, providing grants and things like that to businesses, which we certainly can do and we certainly should do, especially supporting uh, women-owned businesses. But how do we support um, the community around that to ensure that we're building um, a just and fair recovery? So thank you. Well, thank you, uh, Council Member, for being with us. And I want to bring right into the conversation uh, two more of your colleagues. Uh, before we do, I just wanted to remind folks, if you have a question or a comment, uh, to share with Miriam or myself or the council members, feel free to uh, press, if you're on the phone line, press zero or, excuse me, one now, zero, sorry, zero now, um, and that will uh, key you into the uh, call takers uh, so you can join the conversation. If you're on social media, use uh, the hashtag DC Hope on Twitter or in our Facebook feed uh, so we can highlight the questions that you have uh, and bring you into the conversation that way. Uh, but with that, I want to bring in our next council member, uh, who's from War Two, uh, and is, is the council member who's been with us a little bit longer uh, than the other two. Uh, but we uh, want to bring her into the conversation. That's council member Brooke Pinto, uh, who joins us uh, virtually today. Uh, council member, can you hear? I can. Thank I you so much, Deputy Mayor, for having me uh, today and for your just steadfast partnership and leadership throughout this whole year being so creative and nimble in getting um, our businesses much support that they really need right now. Um, as you note, I joined the council last June, and since that time have really been focused on prioritizing COVID recovery. And I'm really thrilled to be joined today with my two uh, newest colleagues, Councilmember Christina Henderson and Councilmember Janice Lewis-George. It's been fantastic working with them both as well in the last couple of months. Prior to joining the council, I served at the DC office of the attorney general, both as a tax attorney and then as the assistant attorney general for policy and legislative affairs. And that really afforded me the opportunity to work on a myriad of issues from small business protection to tenants' rights to advocating for DC statehood across the country. Um, before that time, I worked on Capitol Hill for a US senator in senior living communities and courts and for various small businesses. I have a background in hospitality and the law, and that kind of framework really provides me uh, with an understanding of some of the pressures and the needs of our business community, hotels and restaurants um, that they're going through right now as we work to recover and be really targeted and practical in our approach to recovery. If we can go to the next slide. So the effects of the pandemic in Ward 2 and the city have been intense and touched really every issue. Uh, businesses in the downtown core have really suffered, especially our hotels, tourism destinations, restaurants, shops, our mass transit, um, all due to the effects of COVID-19 and a lack of foot traffic that the area 
used to be benefited by. More residential sections have seen individuals and families in all parts of the city in need of assistance to navigate government resources, aid with at-home learning, survive a particularly cold winter, and help the many neighbors experiencing homelessness in Ward 2 during this hypothermia season. And our office is in touch with thousands of residents each month to assist with grants, appointments, vaccines, employment, and the myriad of issues that have affected our neighbors this year. Our office had a COVID-19 recovery teletown hall where over 1,000 Ward 2 residents called in to engage with our office and support and ask questions as well as community meetings on homelessness and the ways in which our budget can support uh, residents this year. The pandemic has also drastically affected our minority communities and women. And as my colleague, Council Member Henderson highlighted, we have seen a mass exodus of women from the workforce this year. Almost 3 million women have left since February 2020, um, which brings the labor participation of women to the lowest rates we've seen since 1998. Equally as concerning to me is that one in four women to the McKinsey study are now considering leaving the workplace. And you know we've seen mass layoffs happen, but we've also seen women elect to leave the workplace this year because of an impossible choice around childcare. And it's really important that we center our recovery with that understanding and as government and as employers and families consider that as we work to recover of how important it is to bring women back into the fold and back into the workplace as we provide additional opportunities. We can go to the next slide. Um, so we are all extremely focused on recovery. I am very grateful for the partnership and collaboration with the mayor's office um, and with the deputy mayor, as well as my council colleagues. And this is really how government is supposed to work, not just ideas coming from the government, but um, as our unsung hero spoke about, and as deputy mayor mentioned, you know, relying on our neighbors, on the different branches, on our community partners, even kids stepping up to support one another. Um, we've taken a series of legislative and executive actions throughout the year, you know, including a bill that I co-introduced with my colleague Kenny McDuffie from Ward 5 to extend the streetery program uh, through the remainder of the year, which we thought was really important to give businesses the assurance that it's a worthwhile investment to invest in outdoor furniture and spaces, knowing that they could continue to use it. We're thrilled for some of the supports we'll get from the federal, federal government with the Recovery Act including the child care tax credit, which some studies estimate could cut child poverty in half across the country. Um, we've worked with Office of Risk Management on insurance waivers to allow businesses to operate more freely, advocated for Spanish language COVID-19 guides, um, helped champion additional changes to the pre-registration system, and my staff and I have been helping residents book vaccine appointments. Um, as we noted, I've just been so inspired by the ingenuity and innovation that so many of our neighbors have stepped up in um, to help other neighbors in need. You know, our neighbors in DuPont Circle and 2B have partnered with local organizations to provide business and tenant resources in Spanish um, and really walk through business owners the, the resources available to them. Our neighbors in 2E in Georgetown began Takeout Tuesday tradition um, to support our local restaurants 
and select two restaurants every Tuesday to encourage their neighbors to support, which we've now seen adopted in various neighborhoods across Ward 2 and the city. Our neighbors in 2F and Logan Circle collaborated to organize a meeting for all businesses in the corridor that expanded the scope just beyond retail and restaurants and hospitality to all of our small business needs. As we continue to chart the path forward and focus on our recovery, I encourage all of our neighbors to stay engaged, stay creative, share ideas with us that have been successful for your neighbors, um, and borrow any ideas that are, that are working in any of the other wards. This is uh, really important that we don't, don't maintain the status quo throughout this recovery. It's a very dynamic situation that's changing every week, and important that our approaches change every week. We just finished performance oversight where we've been really focused on learning the lessons of the year and seeing what should be maintained as we move forward with our district agencies and lessons best learned from COVID-19. If we can go to the next slide. So kind of zooming out um, as we work to recover, I always can keep in mind our primary priorities for our office. And that includes empowering women and girls. You know, I think it's really important to involve youth voices and perspectives throughout our legislative process. Um, I'm introducing a bill this week uh, with many of our, our women um, and hopefully male colleagues to provide access to menstrual products in schools and improve the education curriculum around period equity in our schools. That was actually an idea that came from a DC high school student. Um, and it's really important that we include these youth perspectives as we move forward. I also wanna note, especially in light of recent events and, and what we've seen in London, um, it's really important that we center women's voices around public safety. You know, when we think about street lights and have worked with DDOT um, to improve lighting in, in Georgetown and downtown, it's really not just a matter of visibility, but it's also so important to feeling safe. Um, and as a you know, young woman uh, walking home when, when there aren't strong lights, it's extremely uh, scary. Um, and I think it's really important that we keep that in mind when we're talking about collaboration with agency and, and lighting and talking about you know, our CBEs and the need to support our women-owned businesses and providing additional opportunities. I know I'm probably out of time here, so I will just wrap up by saying I'm also very focused on criminal justice reform and public safety, um, homelessness, and affordable housing solutions. Thrilled to be serving on the mayor's rental housing strike force um, and supporting our small local businesses um, as we work not just for grant opportunities, but access to capital, particularly for minority and women-owned businesses, assistance with administrative and permitting processes that can be complicated for many. Um, so thank you very much for having me, Deputy Mayor, and thank you to all watching for your level of engagement. Um, it's been great to work with you all and encourage you to, to sign up for our newsletter, which can be found on my last slide. Thanks so much. Great. Well, thank you so much, Council Member. Uh, I know uh, that at the Council, you have very strict rules about time, uh, but let Chairman Mendelson know that when you came when you came to the check-in, we used to for as long as we needed to. Um, and with that, with that rule in mind, I want to turn it to our final guest, uh, Council Member uh, Janice Lewis-George, uh, who joins us from Ward 4, which 
as you know, all wards are great, but uh, Ward 4 happens to be the home of not just the council members, but the mayor, as well as uh, an at-large council member. And so, two at-large, two at-large. sorry, two at-large council members. <laughs> uh, and so, Ward 4 always holds a special place in our heart. So with that, Council Member Lewis George. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Deputy Mayor, for having me. Um, and, and thank you uh, for sharing your story. Um, Miriam, I really appreciate you sharing your story. Um, I am just a happy Women's History Month, first and foremost, um, to the women of the district. Um, uh, it's a, a great month to acknowledge the women in our city who have done so much. When we talk about our warrior on the Hill, uh, Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton, who next week we have our fight for statehood. Um, and uh, she has been a warrior in civil rights issues, but for statehood for so long. Uh, we talk about our own mayor. Uh, Muriel Bowser and, and the work uh, that she continues to do and has done during this recovery um, and during this pandemic. And so, um, you know, it is it's such a great uh, time to be a woman in D.C. right now. Um, it's also an amazing time to be on the council with the majority of women council, including uh, my colleagues, uh, Christina Henderson and Councilmember Brooke Pinto. Um, it is uh, when women lead, you know, things happen, change happens, and things are able to get done. So I look forward to all that we're going to be able to do um, with, with the Majority Women Council. Uh, as you know, when it relates to Ward 4, um, when we talk about Ward 4, we have a lot of small businesses. We have a lot of women-owned, minority-owned, immigrant-owned small businesses. And for us, it's just so important uh, to make sure that our businesses are able to recover and also rebuild. Um, and so I have been working uh, with our Main Street programs in Ward 4, uh, who, who do a phenomenal job engaging with our businesses and supporting them. Um, and we've also been working just uh, a, as a community. Um, we've had a Ward 4 carryout week where everyone, you know, uh, went out and got carryout from our ward. Um, we had uh, a bingo where you, we had a bingo program where individuals could go and, and, and engage our community um, and support our small businesses. And so when we talk about our small businesses and we talk about women particularly, some of the issues that we face are the uh, inability to be able to be considered for capital, uh, the ability for us to be considered in receiving grants and loans, um, some of the technical assistance that is necessary for small businesses. Um, and so one of the focus areas that I want to make sure we, you know, do focus on is how do we help our women-owned businesses and minority-owned businesses. And I think we do that by giving access, you know, making sure there's access to capital. We do that by providing grants uh, and support for technical assistance. We do that by removing barriers that make it oftentimes difficult uh, to run a small business in our community. Um, we, we do that also uh, by continuing to uh, allow more small businesses uh, and women businesses to open. We just had a business open on Upshur Street in War 4, a woman-owned, black-owned business that just opened this week. Um, and so we have to make sure that we are doing what's necessary uh, to ensure that our women businesses thrive. Because why? Our women-owned businesses also uh, oftentimes are hiring local here in D.C. And the, one of the biggest things about our recovery is we know the unemployment numbers are high, Right. And so we're going to have to get people back to work. And so when you um, invest in a small business, you're investing in jobs. You're investing in community. And we have to do um, more of that. And so that's going to be some of the focus area that we look at is making sure um, that we're creating more jobs uh, here in our community. That is how we have a strong economic recovery. 
um, and adjust economic recovery, invest in women. Um, and we invest in women's health. Uh, we invest in, in women's wages. When we talk about wages here in our city, uh, one of the industries we talk about, we talk about frequently is the child care, uh, uh, our child care industry. And I want to thank um, Deputy Mayor and, and um, the mayor for investing uh, in our child care uh, subsidies and assistance and, and, and adding that additional, um, was it $14 million? $14 million, that is amazing. And so one of the things we have to do in the child care industry also is recognize uh, there's also a wage gap there where many of our child care providers are not paid um, fair wages. And so uh, in the industries where we know women wages uh, frequently um, are impacted, um, I, I previously, you know, served, uh, I, I worked in the restaurant industry as a tip worker. And so when we talk about wages, we have to make sure uh, that, you know, a, a just economic recovery includes raising the wage uh, not only in our national scale, but raising the wage within our businesses so that we can um, create more jobs uh, and, and more recovery. Um, another area that's been crucial and important that we've talked about um, that we focused on greatly, and I know Councilmember Henderson as well, is education. Um, education is a woman-dominated industry, right? A majority of our teachers are women. And so what does that look like? And a majority of our women teachers are also parents. So they need the child care support that we've been advocating for, but they also need the support that we give our educators um, because a lot of the times they're the ones who are, have been and are on the front lines teaching and doing the dual job of, of taking care of what their parents, taking care of their children. Um, and so, you know, we have to look at a just recovery, including our education sector um, and the ability for our educators to be able to reopen and do so in a safe, in a safe way. And, and what they need to be able to also, uh, as, as parents and as educators, thrive. Um, and so those are some of the things that we've been focused on. Um, you know, one of the, uh, we got a constituent call the other day, and we get a number of constituent service calls because Ward 4 uh, is strong on our constituent services. And so, you know, one of our constituents is a laundromat owner, um, a woman-owned, minority-owned laundromat. And she's been in service for about 25 years, and she employs um, uh, many, um, you know, local uh, DC residents as well. And she said, you know, we've just been hurt by the, by, by COVID and the pandemic. Um, and so I, you know, we asked her, you know, what would it take for you to be able to recover? Um, and she said, well, you know, we, we've, what we've lost funding. And so we need help o overhead costs, right? And so how do we make sure that she gets the funding she needs for overhead costs during this uh, this pandemic? And so those are some of the things that we have been focused on um, in supporting our small businesses and supporting women um, and making sure that we have a just uh, economic recovery. Well, thank you, Councilmember, and uh, thank you all three of you for joining us. So what we usually do here is we open it up to questions. Uh, so we'll bring in some questioners. Uh, if you have a question, comment. If you want to offer a suggestion, uh, if you're on the phone line, you can press zero now. Uh, again, it's zero. Uh, and if you have a question and you're on social media, uh, you could use uh, the hashtag DC Hope on Twitter or Facebook, and that's how you could join the conversation. Uh, so I'm going to bring some folks in on the phone line. Uh, and the first one is Anna uh, in Ward 4. Uh, Anna, can you hear us? Good afternoon. Um... My name is Anna. Uh, I just uh, wanted to make a comment and ask a question to Ms. Miriam. Um, I'm a woman from Central America, immigrant in D.C., and I just want to thank you for just being brave and sitting there speaking for all of us. I know it's been really special, especially hard for 
for Latinos and for Latino women. So I just wanted to ask you, um, can you give us uh, other women like yourself that are leading businesses, taking care of their children, can you give us a message on how how to overcome all these challenges and how to, to keep moving forward? And thank you for, for everything you do and for continuing to provide with the, all those foods that we miss from our countries. Thank you, Miriam. Um, yo siempre soy de las mujeres que digo que nosotros las mujeres lo podemos hacer todo. I, I've always, uh, uh, you know, I'm the kind of woman that always thought that we can, uh, we women can do everything, just about everything. Uh, porque desde el momento que somos madres es porque lo podemos hacer todo. From the moment we are be, become uh, mothers, that means that we can do, we can do just about everything. Y si todas nosotros las mujeres nos uh, nos proponemos una meta, pues lo vamos a lograr. And if we women, we set our goals, uh, then we can achieve, uh, uh, we can achieve the goal. Uh, nosotros las mujeres um, somos de las que nos levantamos en la mañana y salimos y si tenemos hijos, pues nos ubicamos de cómo dejarlos cuidando. Uh, since uh, we you know we first wake up in the morning, uh, we ha we know we have to go to work. We have, we have children. We have to uh, make sure that they are uh, taken care of. Y pues tratamos de salir al trabajo, de ser puntuales. We go out to work, be responsible. Um, llevar la comida a nuestras casas. Muchas de las madres somos madres solteras. Bring food uh, to, the, to, to the table, or more, you know, a lot of. Uh, Women, uh, well, a lot of women, uh, we are, um, you know, maybe single mothers, single parents. Uh, y eso nos hace más fuertes. Entonces, el consejo que yo le daría a las mujeres and, es que todos sigamos adelante. And, and that makes us actually stronger. And that's my, my, my advice to, to, to women, you know, to keep uh, uh, forging on, to keep moving on. Y si hemos podido sobrepasar el coronavirus, podemos if, hacer cualquier cosa. If we can overcome uh, the coronavirus, we, we can uh, achieve anything. Y entonces todo seguir adelante, sacar fuerzas de donde las tenemos o no las tenemos y seguir trabajando y luchando por más en este país que es de muchas, um, ¿cómo se dice? Perdón, de, de tenemos muchas um, beneficios, como, um, es de muchas oportunidades. Okay, and then keep uh, pushing forward, and then, you know, they, we live in a country that uh, uh, we um, have a lot of uh, opportunities. Entonces, uh, ese sería mi consejo, que todos sigamos y que seamos unidos That would be my, my, my advice, and to keep, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, be united. Ese sería mi consejo. That's my, my advice. <laughs> Thank you, Miriam. Uh, Miriam, you just... Uh, next time, I think we're just going to do a whole hour uh, just with Miriam. So thank you. And it sounds like you have a bit of a fan club out there too, Miriam. <laughs> so uh, let's go to our next caller, uh, Yvette, uh, in Ward 5. Uh, a question for the council members. Yvette, can you hear us? Yes. Hi. Greetings, everyone. Um, this is Yvette Banfield from the Coalition for Nonprofit Housing and economic development. And my, my uh, question is for the councilwomen on the call today. Um, if you could share a, um, I, at least one leadership principle that guides you and, and that guided you to where you are today um, for the women that are also listening and on today's call, um, would love to, to learn from you. 
um, to help inspire us and um, and to hear what's guided you over the course of your career. Oh, everyone's looking at me first. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, um, you know, I guess, you know, the, the guiding principles that, you know, that, that I've led on are principles instilled in me by women um, in my life. Um, I grew up, my mom uh, is, was a postal worker, and she raised me and my two older siblings. My grandmother um, actually served as a lunch lady at D.C. Public Schools. And, um, you know, they really taught me the importance of, of hard work, um, of education, and I think most importantly, the idea that we have to lift as we climb. And so my mother said, no matter what room you walk in, no matter what you do, you speak to people with respect. Uh, you treat the janitor the same, with the same way you treat the president of the United States. Um, and, and she's done that. She's in service. So, you know, she says when you're in a service, a service job, um, you treat everyone with it, that same level of respect. Um, and the idea of lifting as we climb actually uh, is something that's been gone in generations. Um, it actually, you know, started with uh, the national uh, um, color, colored women that were organized in the 1960s. Um, and that idea is that no matter how far we go, that we have to look and say, who can we continue to lift up as we climb, right? No matter how far you get, uh, how do you pay it forward, right? Um, who are you mentoring? Who are you investing in? How do you make sure they have the same opportunities you have? Um, and so that's how I've decided to to prioritize legislation, prioritize uh, how how I engage communities. You know, it's so hard. Um, even in COVID, we all have to grapple with the fact that you know not everyone has access to internet, not everyone has access to computers, and so it's really difficult because you want to get out. Um, and touch those individuals who don't necessarily have access. And um, that's been one of the, the hardest things throughout the pandemic is to not be able to reach those who, who don't have access. Um, and so I think we always have to find ways to engage with communities who, um, who don't have you know, the opportunity to access and not only engage them, but then offer and, and make sure we are, uh, our budget is reflective of that, right? And so I always say our budget and our budget priorities are a moral document, and it's how we lead and it's how we show who we care about and what we care about. Um, and then the other thing is, in, in lifting as we climb means bringing people with you, right? So making sure that uh, you are engaging young people. They should be engaged in this process. One of the things we prioritize, you know, in our office is making sure that we're hearing youth voices um, and young people voices. I started. Uh, my interest started when I was a young person, right? I got to serve as a student representative on the D.C. Board of Education, and we used to have the D.C. Youth uh, Advisory Council. And so getting young people to start and being civically engaged um, when they're now um, and let them know their voice matters now is how we lift up a, a generation to, to understand that leadership um, and, and doing for your community is important. So I think, you know, continuing to lift as we climb, centering equity, centering voices, um, and, and always recognizing that that importance of education and, and hard work coming together is, is how we um, how I've decided to lead, and I think uh, is reflective of our of our city. Yeah. Councilmember Henderson. Um, that's a great uh, question that you raised, and there are a number of different principles that come to mind, but um, one that has always stuck with me is something my mentor from college used to say. Um, is that 
you're in the room for a reason. Um, so speak and speak confidently. And, um, you know, I think often, especially in politics and business, you often can find yourself in a room. I am uh, could be the only woman, oftentimes I'm the only person of color, um, the only young person. There are so many onlys. Um, yeah. But if you find yourself in that space, um, you have a responsibility to um, not only bring your voice um, and your ideas, but also to bring the people with you um, who aren't there. And um, I've taken that to heart. And, um, you know, for right before becoming a council member, I worked in the United States Senate, I think which folks know is a, is a very white and male-dominated institution. Um, but we were able to get some uh, really important things done on behalf of working families, um, including 12 weeks of paid uh, family leave for all federal employees because, you know, I just had the, the, the weird confidence to speak up and say, hey, we should attach this to a defense appropriations bill, even though it has nothing to do with it, but it worked. Um, and so I feel like um, as women, we just have to, you know, create space. I think Shirley Chisholm used to say, um, if you get to the table and there's no chair, bring a folding chair with you. And, um, and, and so I, you know, you're, you're in a room for a reason, whatever that reason may be, but you have to speak confidently and bring your voice to the table. Thank you. Councilmember Pinto. Thank you for the question. And I, I just love uh, the messages and principles that my colleagues shared um, and fi find myself inspired by them as well. But I, something that I keep in mind um, throughout my career and try to bring with me in every process and context is inclusion of process. So I am not somebody who believes that I have the answers. Um, unlike our previous president, the I alone can fix it attitude is not something that I hold and think is important to me in any context to bring the people in the room into the conversation, um, which is, you know, one of the reasons why diversity in hiring is so important because I, I don't show up to a meeting knowing, thinking I have all of the answers. Um, I show up with ideas, with my own lived experience, with my own research, with my own preparation, um, but making sure that the quietest person in the room who may be less likely to raise their hand. Um, the person with a different experience than I have may have the most helpful insight to make the strongest bill possible moving forward. And so that, that's something that I keep in mind with me in any context that is, uh, has been a, a lifelong principle of inclusion. Thank you, uh, Council Member. Uh, we'll go to a next question from Denise in Ward 4. Oh. <laughs> Ward 4, coming through strong. Denise, can you hear us? Yeah, hello. Yeah, hello. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, I thought um, I gave the question to the young man, Dante, and I thought he was going to ask it, but uh, I can ask it now if you can hear me. Can, there, can you hear me okay? Yes, loud and clear. Okay, great. This is for the deputy mayor. Uh, sir, um, I have been on the weekly uh, check-in for a while, and I, I really thank you guys for holding them. Uh, my question is for the small landlords. 
Uh, I think about a month ago, Deputy Mayor, you uh, this question was asked of you. As far as the funds that have funneled down to the district, uh, when will the small landlords like myself be able to get some relief and be able to access the process, the application process, so we can at least get some little relief in a, a year and some months uh, to us? Have those funds been allocated yet? And when will be online? And Denise, how many, uh, can I ask you this, how many units uh, are you uh, talking about that you uh, own? I own four units, just four. Four? Okay, great. Uh, the reason I ask is there's going to be two uh, programs that we're looking at. Uh, one of the programs we had was the Housing Stabilization Grant. That was actually a fund that Mayor Bowser uh, put forth uh, using CARES Act dollars at the end of 2020. What was unique about that fund to all the different relief we have for rent uh, was that the uh, property owner, the housing provider, was the one who was able to apply for that. So that was uh, so there were two parts of the program. It was uh, one for uh, our uh, income restricted affordable housing, and then there was another for uh, small housing providers, those with 20 units or less. So I don't know, uh, Denise, if you had applied for uh, the housing stabilization grant, uh, but one of the things we're considering with the new resource that's come from the federal government is to reopen the housing stabilization grant uh, in order to allow the housing provider to apply. Now, the other program, and I think the one that you might be referring to most, is the uh, Emergency Rental Assistance Program. So that is a program that was funded through the uh, stimulus bill that passed in December, uh, and the money that was made available to the district has actually been increased uh, through the American Rescue Plan. Uh, so now, in total, what will be coming uh, through this Emergency Rental Assistance Fund is about $350 million. That funding can actually be used for rental assistance, utility assistance, and even a portion of it can be used for mortgage assistance. Now, the, uh, just talking about the rental assistance and the utility assistance, we're working off of some of the uh, uh, guidance that we got from Treasury, although there aren't official rules out yet. We've got guidance from Treasury, and we're, what we're going to do is we're working to, by the end of this month, March, we're working to actually open up the application process. Now, with that application, it is the resident that applies for it. Now, an, a housing provider can actually uh, help the resident apply for it, uh, but the resident at the end of the day is going to have to uh, be part of that application. So either the resident applies for it directly uh, or the housing provider can help the resident with the application with a final verification from uh, the resident. So we're working to get that uh, system in place. And what that will do is help us to uh, both help uh, fund some of the programs that we have in place already, like Emergency Rental Assistance Program, ERAP, uh, but also have this new resource uh, for renters to get support on not just their rent that's in arrears, but also their utility assistance. So we'll be sure to come back to you before the end of the month. Uh, we'll give an update. Uh, I know the mayor will announce uh, so residents can hear it from her, uh, just sort of what steps they have to take. And then we'll come back to the weekly check-in to make sure we go more in depth with housing providers like yourself. Uh, so thank you for that question, uh, Denise, and more to come later this month. Uh, so with that, I wanna to go to our next uh, question, uh, Kathy. Uh, Kathy, can you hear us? Hi there, Kathy Hollinger's here. 
Oh, well then. You guys can hear me? Great. And uh, we we got a lot of head nods right away. So Kathy, why don't you tell everybody uh, who you are and uh, what great work you do? Yeah, so I am the president and CEO of the Restaurant Association in Metropolitan Washington and a lot of familiar and lovely faces that I get to watch, but I am calling in, of course. I wanted to make a comment um, and then ask a question. I have two comments, actually. First, I do want to thank you, Deputy Mayor Falchicchio and and uh, Director Townsend and the Office of Nightlife. You guys have been a critical lifeline for the restaurant and hospitality community throughout the pandemic. Um, so thank you for that. I think it's a little over a year ago now. We started um, really working wonderfully together on trying to get some relief to our folks. My question is rooted um, in recovery and rebuild. Uh, I appreciate all the comments that all council members made um, earlier, and we are really reinforcing that as well as we try to make a distinction between relief and recovery. You know, we're hoping that everyone can keep in mind that, you know, the damage incurred over 2020 is going to take years to recover from, particularly as a restaurant community and industry. We are... um, 96% independently owned and operated as a market, which makes us really different than anywhere else in the country, which is a great thing, but also makes us much more vulnerable, not to even mention if you are minority-owned, women-owned, if you are already struggling going into the pandemic from a financial standpoint. So I wanted to ask, um, as you guys are thinking about policy and as you're thinking about the budget overall and what may be needed going forward as we recover as a city, um, if it's also a part of your thinking to not necessarily look to increase costs or, you know, taxes or fees or um, enforce additional mandates that are going to be really difficult for the small business community as they're just trying to put their arms around what they may need to be as they move forward. Great. And I'll, uh, I'll go to the council members. Maybe I'll go to council member Henderson first after just one thing I know that we've worked on together is kind of a framework for how we think about our recovery. Uh, and we talk about it in kind of three phases and they're not necessarily sequential, but probably uh, concurrent or, um, and that is that we need relief, recovery, and then growth. So relief that uh, is kind of some of the programs that you mentioned, uh, whether it be the bridge funds or the micro grants in order that we get direct assistance. Uh, but that just makes up for what people lost. And as Miriam said, there's a lot that's been lost, both in revenue and income, that I don't know that we'll ever be able to make up for. Uh, and that's something that we all have to be mindful of because really we need probably more relief. And then we need recovery efforts. And recovery is really about getting back to where we were. Uh, so in the District of Columbia, we had nearly 800,000 jobs before the pandemic. We lost 53,000 of them. The majority of those were in the hospitality industry. Uh, so we have to get those jobs back. And it's not just that we get those jobs back for the businesses, but we get them back for our residents uh, so that they have opportunity. Uh, and then growth, because really we want to come out of this stronger, uh, and we want that growth to have a lens of equity uh, so that we make up for the disparities that existed before 
the pandemic and that have been exacerbated uh, during it. And so we have a lot of work to do on relief, recovery, and growth. But I turn to Councilmember Henderson just to think about how you think through kind of the balance to strike. I think that's what Kathy's talking about. The balance to strike about giving businesses the sense that they know the conditions that they'll have to operate in as we go forward. So I'll turn that to you first and then maybe come from Repinto and then come from Lewis George. Yeah, I think, John, actually what you said is incredibly important. Um, and Kathy, thank you for your question and for calling in. It is really around balance um, in terms of balancing what the needs are of businesses, both for um, the immediate relief, but then also for recovery, but at the same time, ensuring that we're protecting workers um, and protecting the public. And I don't think that um, one has to necessarily come at the expense or cost of the other. Um, but for me, I know, like in terms of my approach, right, I've never run a restaurant before. Um, I don't, I would never consider myself to be an expert um, in that. And so I'm looking to collaborate um, and, and speak openly and honestly um, with folks in the industry. And, and because of you, Kathy, I've had some great conversations with some folks in the restaurant industry about what they're facing and, and what they'd like to see going forward. Um, and I think it's worked well. And I, as I tell folks, like, you know, we may not always agree <laughs> on everything in terms of the outcomes, but we can certainly have conversations. And I'm coming from a place of, of, of understanding, but also I think it's incredibly important that we have balance. And I, I would say that my colleagues um, probably would echo that sentiment. I come from Pinta. Thank you so much. And thank you to you, Kathy, for your consistent leadership in helping our restaurant community get through this, this devastating year. Um, you know, I think something that you said is really important to echo, and that is the small business community. Restaurants are small businesses, and it's really important that we recognize that and treat them with the support that they need, just like our whole small business community really needs right now. Um, I have managed uh, restaurant small business before and understand the extreme uh, difficulty of trying to balance so many issues at once, particularly in a changing regulatory environment. And I think as we move forward, and I, Deputy Mayor, I appreciate the uh, tripod framework that you've provided, but as we get to the third stage of growth, um, once we are moving through recovery, it's really important that we provide a consistent climate for our business community to grow in, to know that it is a good idea to rehire workers, that they will be able to be profitable, um, that, that this is a great climate for them to do so here in the District of Columbia. And I think that will benefit all of us in DC um, when we provide that uh, consistency and clear support. I also just want to note, you know, in terms of your other point, Kathy, around um, regulations and, and kind of barriers and hurdles, that it's really important to be nimble as the government as we move forward in these next couple of years, that there's a big difference in providing safety standards for our employees and workers and um, patrons versus easing of permitting and licensing restrictions so that it can be a creative business environment and encourage entrepreneurship. And so that's something that I will be looking at and working on over the next couple of years to make sure that that behavior is incentivized and encouraged in the city. Councilmember Louis George? 
Oh, thank you, Kathy, for, for that question. Um, and and I, I agree with the sentiments of, of my colleagues um, on this. And um, I think one of the, the biggest things we can do is get people back to work, right? Um, the more that we invest in our our community, right, the more that they are willing to and come back and start being at restaurants again, right? And so um, we have a large unemployment numbers that we have to address. So I think, you know, one of the things we have to do to see a recovery across the board um, is make sure that we are getting people back to work to be able to um, be able to have the ability to go to a restaurant um, and eat out, right? That's, and in many ways, that's a luxury. Um, you know, I, growing up, we rarely went to a restaurant unless it was your birthday, right? But that was, and it was a luxury. And so how do we make sure that um, individuals are getting back to a place, right? That we're restoring, when we restore our, our residents of our community, we will also be helping restore the economic vibrance of our, our restaurant industry, but also of all of our small businesses, right? Um, and so I think that's the way we have to approach it. Um, how do we make sure that our community uh, has what they need so that they will have the ability to be able to um, shop at our small businesses? Um, and, and how do we make our small business feel comfortable um, hiring back employees? Um, wanting to make sure that workers are able to come back to their jobs and um, support their families and, and not have to depend on unemployment right now is, is so critical. Um, and I think, you know, we have to have, you know, I'm, uh, um, Brooke uh, talked about it. I My experience in restaurants is as a worker. Um, and so how do we make sure that we have the protections, the safety protections we need for workers? Um, how do we make sure that they have what they need as well to support their families, right? When we talk about um, their ability to be able to care for their families and have what they need to do that. And so um, I agree, we, we have to look at an approach. Um, and I think that the best way to do that is uh, start, uh, you know, a lot of times we do a top-down approach and I think we should do from bottom up. Let's start with our, our residents and our residents will literally build what we need here uh, in our community and support our small businesses, including our restaurant industry. Um, and so I, I think that's, that's how we do this. Um, we 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 build back we we build back better by creating more jobs, um, and we have the ability to do that. Um, and I think uh, we we have the ability to create more jobs even through an environmental landscape. I talk about it all the time, but you know we talk about green uh, you know green energy and how we're moving towards that. We have some of the largest climate change goals here in the district, which I'm so proud of uh, that our city our mayor has made these climate change um, goals for our city, and so we can create green, green jobs. Um, we have the ability. We talk about industries that we can see more jobs coming out of. How do we create more jobs uh, to support our economy? And I think that's the way we go. Um, the, our, Phil Mendelson, our chairman, uh, just introduced a bill that I think most of our colleagues co-sponsored. I'm pretty sure all, I think all of us did. Uh, but um, a legislation to uh, talk about our marijuana in industry and, and how that will create, um, be a part of our economy uh, and, and add to our economy. So we have to continue to look at ways to create new revenue to support um, our, our families and so that our families will support our businesses. Thank you, council members. So um, we're running short on time, but uh, I don't get to usually, I don't get to vote on the council, but I'll call a vote now. We have one more question on the board. Uh, are council members, do you vote to take it or to not take the qu final question? 
What do you say, Councilmember Henderson? I think we have to we take did. it. Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> unanimous. It's unanimous, so we'll take it. Uh, so we'll go to Jan. Uh, Jan, question for us? See if Mike could get her on. Jan, are you with us? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, you yeah, can. can you? Okay, all right. Okay. So, so this is something that I think that you all may have to table. I'm Jan Adams. I'm from Ward 6, and I'm founder and president and CEO of a government consulting firm, GMA Solutions. Thank you all for being here today. Really appreciate it. And thank you, Deputy Mayor, for hosting this forum. So um, I'm not sure if you all are aware of this, but since 2004, all D.C.-based companies making over $5 million annually have to pay a ballpark fee uh, on a specific amount of their revenue for the Nat Stadium. And this fee is to be paid through October 2038. Um, now, I, I understand that um, this fee could be paid off a decade earlier because of a lot of the money that they have collected over these years. Um, and I would just like to, you know, for you all to do some research on that and um, maybe reevaluate what companies are are having to pay and just kind of look into it. Okay. I see some head nods. Uh, I'll turn to Councilmember Henderson. No, I mean, happy to look into it. I don't have anything specific um, on that off the top of my head, but I appreciate, Jen, you bringing this to our attention. Yeah. I'm going to agree, and I'm, I'm going to pitch it to my Ward 2 uh, colleague, Repinto, who is works on, on that committee and has uh, – we both worked at the Attorney General's office, and so Brooks' expertise in the Attorney General's office did work on taxes and tax reform and a lot of small business, so I'm, I'm going to kick it to her. <laughs> Great. Um, thank you for the question. We are looking at this. I have heard from uh, other residents who have raised concerns, and I will say it's worth looking at. We are looking at it and considering what we can do to uh, provide some relief and just make our tax code makes sense. Um, there are certain other provisions that may have made sense a few years ago that are not uh, sensible now. And in addition to our office looking at the ballpark tax, I will say it's another reason that I am happy and, and I think it's important to get moving the Tax Reform Commission so that we can take a broader, more comprehensive look at the district's tax code and make sure that we're thinking about tax reform holistically as opposed to just each provision in a piecemeal fashion. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you, uh, Councilmember Pinto, for that. And thank you, Councilmembers, for joining us uh, today. You know, a lot of times when you just look at traditional media or social media, uh, you kind of lose sense of kind of who's uh, in charge of taking care of the problem or whose position is on what uh, problem. And you kind of, it just becomes a little confusing. And what I like to say is that it's really uh, the mayor, the council members, and the residents against the problem, rather than mm -hmm. any combination of thereof with the problem on one side and the mayor on another. That's not how it works. It's all of us against the problem. Uh, at this point, we know that the problem is uh, the challenging year that we've had because of COVID. Uh, we're coming up on one year since the uh, uh, public health emergency, or we are past that point now, uh, since the public health emergency took uh, hold and so our businesses we know uh, need support uh, not just uh, to survive and to later thrive but also to keep their employees in place yeah. so i want to thank uh, the council members for joining us today uh, for this conversation 
uh, our callers for joining us and uh, bringing questions and suggestions to us. Uh, it is really good to hear the direct feedback uh, all the time. And that's why Mayor Bowser uh, made it a priority for us to do this weekly check-in with you. And then for Miriam, we're all going to visit you at Pan Am uh, Supermarket. Uh, we're yeah. going to make sure that we come see you. Uh, the great workers that you talked about, your teammates, uh, we'll make sure we come and support uh, you and thank you for supporting uh, your workers and the community. Uh, we really appreciate uh, all that you've done. And so with that, we'll pop again from you. All right. With all this applause you're getting, we're going to have you back each week. <laughs> uh, so with that, I just want to remind uh, business owners, too, uh, we talked a lot about the relief that we provide, but also the federal government uh, provides relief. And so be sure to check out uh, the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, it is a program that last year, D.C. businesses and organizations were able to bring in $2.2 billion of support. Uh, so this week is a week where uh, small businesses can apply. So if you have questions about that program, uh, Mayor Bowser set up a website for you. It's pppready.com. Make sure you check out that website and then go and apply at your bank or at a community development financial institution. Uh, and we've got some resources listed on pppready.com. With that, just want to remind everybody to continue to stay safe, wash your hands, social distance, and be sure to check out coronavirus.dc.gov for all the latest information about all of our health protocols, but also about our recovery as well. With that, thank you and stay safe. Thank <laughs> you.